Welcome back to the program. Let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name. We thank you and praise you for the Easter season, for the season of overflow, that you fill our lives to overflowing with your goodness, with your grace, with your mercy, and with so many other abundant gifts. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Father John Ricardo. We thank you for his ministry with Acts 29. And Lord, we ask that you would um, give all of those who are listening uh, graces and, and blessings to be able to be encouraged and, and inspired and, and led into a deeper encounter with Jesus Christ. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Father John Ricardo and I met way back in, uh, in, in Rome at the North American College. He was there. He arrived, I think, a year or two after I left. But I would go back to Rome for the work I was doing with Evangelization 2000. And we had our meetings in Rome. And uh, I would stay at the North American College since I had lived there for a few years. I was able to stay there. And that's when I got to know Father John, back then seminarian John Ricardo. And we had uh, a number of great encounters on the basketball court, (laughs) but even better conversations around the dinner table. Uh, We had a, a lot in common. And so... Uh, being able to to stay connected with him through the decades has been a blessing to me, and uh, what a blessing to be able to inter- interview him now. He has uh, moved from full-time parish work, which he did for many years, and at Our Lady of Good Counsel in, uh, I believe it's in Dearborn, Michigan, or uh, in uh, out in the for the Archdiocese of Detroit, um, did some amazing things there to develop and bring about renewal of parish life. And uh, he moved from that into a full-time ministry where he travels the country ministering to principally to priests, honestly, uh, priests and bishops, to help encourage them, to help give them a sense of of refreshment and, and experience a kind of healing from the reality of being overwhelmed as priests. And so he is coming to uh, the Puget Sound. He is going to be at Holy Family Catholic Church on Sunday, May the 7th, available for everybody to come and see. Uh, he'll be speaking there from 1 in the afternoon until 4 in the afternoon. And just a little secret, just between you and me, okay? It's uh, Seating is open. You, there is no pre uh, purchase of tickets, you show up and you get a seat. And so here's another little secret. It's going to be full. <laughs> so the, he does not do this type of event that often anymore. Since he's principally focused on ministering to priests, he doesn't do a lot of these kind of parish events any longer. I'll tell you why he's doing it in, in a minute, but let me just say this. Mark this date, Sunday, May the 7th, 1 p.m. is when it starts. You might want to get there by 12.15 or, you know, 12.30 the latest if you want to get a seat. That's just between you and me and the few other folks who are listening right now. So get your friends, get there early. It'll be an amazing event. It's come and see, encounter, and believe in Jesus is what it's all about. And he has this beautiful way of of teaching and talking about God's rescue plan for the world. And I think that you'll get a, a version of that, but in person, it's so different when, you know, than watching a video or listening to an audio, uh, which he, which you can do on YouTube uh, and on audio. If you go to Acts 29, which is, uh, the Acts of the Apostles is 28 chapters, and so Acts 29 is, well, what did the church, the early church do when the Acts of the Apostles was over, it, it's, you've got to continue the mission. And so that's the idea between, behind Acts 29, is that it's time for us to continue the mission. So uh, do yourself a favor. Get some friends, bring your family members, and young people, you know, if they're high school and beyond, have them come out to Holy Family Catholic Church in Kirkland on Sunday, May the 7th, 1 o'clock in the afternoon until 4 p.m. So there you go. Um, and, and that's hfkparish.org uh, if you want to um, learn more about uh, the, the on that website. HFK Parish uh, is the, is the, um, 
is the website.org, H-F-K, Holy Family Kirkland, the word parish.org. Now, okay, one other insider tip here is that on May the 6th, that's the Saturday, there's another event, but this event is by invitation only, so you can't just show up. But this is an event for, for priests and the delegated leaders of priests. So if you want to get to that event, it's going to be a deeper dive into topics that are more focused on leadership, then you need to get your, uh, first of all, try to get your pastor to go, try to get your priests to attend, because again, that that would be a, it's a singular event. It really is. There's just not many things like this where the priest does not have to travel on an airplane to be able to be blessed by uh, the, the type of formation and sharing and, and uh, ministering that will happen during the Saturday event. But if you want to go yourself, um, have your pastor email, or you can email to get more information for your pastors. Now, all the pastors in the diocese, all the priests have already received information about this, but take this down, and I will reference it again at different points in the interview. You can email Acts 29, but spelled out, Acts, A-C-T-S, and then X-X-I-X, like Roman numerals, 29, X-X-I-X, Acts 29, at H-F-K, parish.org. Acts, XXIX, ACTS, XXIX, Acts 29, at HFK, parish.org. And just say, help, I want to get there. I'm a parish leader. I'm involved in parish leadership. How do I get an invite? How do I get my pastor to get me a ticket for that leadership event happening on May the 6th? So for more information, email Acts 29 at hfkparish.org. Okay, that's all the introduction I want to do. I'm going to dive into this interview where I really just tee up a whole bunch of really fascinating questions about different principles and insights that are drawn from our Catholic tradition about spiritual growth and renewal, and and you'll love it. So it's going to flow into tomorrow, that this interview flows into tomorrow. So sit back, enjoy this uh, first part of the interview with Father John Ricardo. Well, and welcome to the interview, Father John Ricardo. Father John is joining me. Father John, are you finally back home? Are you in Michigan now? I am today. I'm like the spirit where the wind blows. I have no idea. Yes. Well, it's great. Uh, The way that you're framed, you have uh, the the crucified Lord behind you. So that's uh, that's good that you live your life in in the light of Jesus crucified. That's great. And risen though, right? It's the risen Lord. Crucified and risen. Absolutely. Amen. All right. So Father John has absolutely no idea how we're going to do this interview, which I love. So Father John, here we go. I, I know you can handle this. Uh, our life of faith is filled with a lot of both ands. People o- often want to live an either or kind of life, mm. but there are a lot of both ands in our life of faith. Is Jesus God or man? Yes, both and. Um, I'm going to get insight out of you today, Father John, regarding like what's happening in the church. What are you seeing? What are you sensing? What's the Lord doing in the church? By asking you a lot of basic like principles and insights that are in the scriptures and in our tradition, and ask for your, what are you seeing? What are you sensing? So so the good news is there's no wrong answer, okay? That, that's probably the best kind Fantastic. of test. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to warm up here just so you see where we're going with a, this is a softball. Okay, we just finished the, the, the Lent. Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Okay, of those three, what do you see we need to appreciate more in the church today? The call to prayer, the call to fasting, or the call to almsgiving, and why? Yes. <laughs> See, that's it. Right. Okay, now I want you to go deeper. Yeah, up to uh, three. yeah so, oh, really, I have to go deeper? Uh, yeah, so uh, l- l- let's let's hit all three, because uh, I, I love the both and, and we're so prone to, to um, perhaps artificially elevate one over another. So, I mean, the church has always said these three things, kind of like they, they intertwine and work closely together. I'd say prayer first, uh, and here's why. Um, I think if if I was to make an observation on the work that we've seen over the last four years, especially just kind of traveling around the country and doing the work that we're doing with bishops, priests, 
play folks, whatever. Um, prayer has often become an agenda item. It's like a line item. It's something we get through before we do the real work. But prayer shouldn't be an agenda item. Prayer should drive the agenda, whether that's for a husband, his wife, or their family, whether it's for a bishop in his diocese, whether it's a pastor and his team, whatever it might be. And so um, this call back to really sincere encounter with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit in prayer, I think, is um, is first and foremost. Um Fasting, to be sure. I, in fact, I just got off the phone with a friend of mine who uh, does pretty regularly like seven-day water fasts. And he said to me, man, I'm just amazed how much clearer I see things when I'm fasting like this. And uh, I know that's true for me, too. Somehow fasting's fallen out of practice for lots of people. Um, I don't know how fasting became two small meals that don't equal a bigger meal. Like that, to me, is just not fasting. Like fasting is you don't eat. And there are so many reasons for this, um, not least of which could be um, for warfare and for intercession, which there's a massive need in. Um, so I think there's a, you know, Jesus didn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. So there's a pretty clear implication that we will be fasting. Um, this is a time in the church, I think, where we need some really heavy artillery, and that's what fasting is to me. Um, and then almsgiving uh, kind of ties them all together because almsgiving is this expression of charity. And if we do anything without charity, it's just empty. So um, almsgiving is, is, for those who may not exactly remember, is that which we give over and above tithing. Oh, tithing. What's tithing? We don't even tithe anymore, so let alone almsgiving, right? So we need them all. Um, and that's kind of my attempt to give you some answers. Because we're warming up, I'm going to let you live with all three. But just to let you know, I'm oh, not going good. to let you. I'm not going to let you give get get away with giving all of them. Okay. All right. Second, time. Okay. The concept of time in our life of faith. Time is time in terms again of emphasis and understanding the life of faith of Catholic Christian disciples that you encounter, or even in, in church leadership. Time is is the journey we make towards God, towards heaven. So is time. Time has the journey towards God, and therefore life is not just a journey, but it's a journey with a destination, and you better be paying attention to that. Or time as the journey of God towards man, Advent. It's the coming of God towards us. So time as chronos. We're headed somewhere, folks. Pay attention. Or time as kairos. God is breaking in. Get ready. Now is the time. This is the opportune moment. Make a response. So, of those two understandings of time, which is more desperately needed to be understood today? I'm going to go with option B. If for no other reason, then the initiative always belongs to God. God's the one who takes the first step, whether that's in creating us or redeeming us or in calling us to encounter him. Um, and so to be ever more mindful of the fact that in every moment, no matter what's going on in my life, highs or lows, sufferings or joys, um, the Lord is present to me and is coming to me and wants to say something to me, even if it's just hang in. I love that. I think that uh, that sense of the initiative, that word, the initiative of the Lord and breaking into our lives. If folks had that mm -hmm. sense of being receptive and being alert, that would fundamentally change how we live our life of faith. Okay, great. Um, along those lines, let's, let's stay those lines. Three traditional disciplines that are associated with growing in our life of faith, going deeper in our relationship with the Lord, silence, solitude, and simplicity. So silence about being still internally, externally, solitude, coming, come away with me, come apart, or simplicity, strip down and focus, do what matters. Of those three disciplines, what are, again, which where would you put the emphasis in terms of a need for us today to appreciate more, enter into more fully? These are great questions. Wow. <laughs> I um, told you this is going to so, be a different interview. Don't worry. They're going to get it. harder. They're going to get harder, so, too. I, I think most people would say silence, but I would actually say it's solitude. And and I would say it's solitude because um, silence, apart from solitude, is just silence. I, I think the, the primary call, at least the way I would see it, the thing that's most important right now is to, again, let's go back to that question you asked before with the initiative that God's coming towards us. God's continually knocking on the door of our hearts, inviting us to come away and to be with him. It's only once we're with him that we then enter into silence so that we can be in communion with him. We can talk to him. We can listen to him. And 
you know, the, the single greatest habit that anybody ever taught me was to give the first fruits of the day to God by being with him. And, and one of the ways that we're with him is by entering into silence. But the first call, I think, is to be with him. I love that. That's a great insight. So a lot of folks struggle with solitude, I think, because they think of it as isolation. So they're coming apart to be by themselves versus coming apart to be with God. And so I think they really struggle with that sense of the presence of the Lord if they were to come away from the crowd, come away from the busyness. Yeah, and, and you know, like one of the thoughts that maybe ties these last two things together is I think so many of us have this image that when Jesus ascended, he left, which is not true. Like the whole idea of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father doesn't mean that he's far away. It means that he is exercising lordship over the universe because that's what it means to sit at the right hand in Scripture. And so God isn't somewhere far away. Like Heaven isn't some other place. It's like another, it's another um, dimension of the one reality that is where God is. And every once in a while, the Lord comes through the veil, but the Lord is right here, right now, and right there, right now. And so like, I don't have to go find him wherever I am. He's there. And if I would but um, be ever more cognizant of that and ask the Holy Spirit to help me to understand it, uh, we might be in a better place with regards to solitude. Excellent. Thank you. That's Father John Ricardo talking with me today on Sound Insight, and we're coming up against a break. But before we do, just I want to remind you that Father John will be at Holy Family Catholic Church coming up on Sunday, May the 7th, from 1 in the afternoon until 4 in the afternoon. There's no charge to get into the event, but it is first come, first serve. So if you want a seat, I encourage you to get there early in order to be able to enjoy the ministry and the message of Father John Ricardo, who will be speaking on Jesus and encountering Jesus and coming to experience, coming and seeing and believing and experiencing Jesus and all of the blessings that he has for you. God exists. Do I really matter? God is love. Then why do bad things happen? When I really need help in my life, will God answer my prayer? Well, come and see and encounter Jesus at this event happening on Sunday, May the 7th, from 1 until 4 p.m. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Again, I'm talking with Father John Ricardo today, and uh, he's getting a workout, getting a little workout today, Father John. You like this? All right, I'm loving it. We're gonna up the up the game a little bit. We're gonna go Mm -hmm. back to Bonaventure and uh, Bonaventure connected to Saint John Paul II. Bonaventure, in one of his works written to the superiors of religious communities, says that the the three enemies of the spiritual life are diversion, distraction, and dispersion. Diversion, as what John Paul II calls infidelity, that we are diverted from the path we're supposed to be on. Diversion, distraction. John Paul II calls inconsistency, where we're not uh, diverted by sin, but we're tempted. Squirrel, we we get out, we we stop paying attention to things. And then dispersion is about he calls being slowness to act. John Paul II, as a result of being dispersed in so many act in so many directions, we can't concentrate. We can't have that concentrated sense of energy. We get caught up in the rat race, and so we're not bearing fruit. So today. Are we struggling most with diversion, that infidelity, distraction, inconsistency, or dispersion, that slowness to act? It's hard. That's, uh, I, I would say it varies. So here's how I would answer it. I, I'll answer it from the perspective of a priest and uh, from what I see in many of my brothers uh, and in the, in the clergy. Uh, 
I'm going to opt for dispersion. And the reason for that is, um, and this is family life too, I think, but I just can't answer it from inside in the way that I can here. In most parishes, not all, but in most parishes and in most dioceses, uh, most people spend most of the day playing whack-a-mole. So that game where, you know, like things pop up and you just go from thing to thing to thing to thing. And so you're just living with your, your head on a swivel. And, and from, you know, the most of my friends are, are married folks and that's much of their life too, to be sure, especially depending on the size of their family. And I, and I think that uh, getting caught in that game actually bleeds into the other two. So one of the ways that we have found to be uh, particularly helpful in dealing with that is asking the Lord repeatedly, Lord, there's a lot of things right now I could concentrate my attention on, you know, whether it's as a pastor, as a father, as a mother, whatever it might be. Um, what is the biggest single need in my parish, this diocese, this family, our marriage? What's the biggest wound? And then let's hone in on that and concentrate our attention to that. I, I, that's that's how I would answer that question. Nice. So he, I, when I think about sort of the arc of life in the church, so you and I have been at this for over 30 years now, right? Um, I would say that we've come from a time where the rat race was the thing. And so it was dispersed into so many directions. It feels like now with this portal of hell called the smartphone, <laughs> uh, that distraction has become such an enemy of growth in the spiritual life where it becomes so convenient and easy to waste time. And so there mm -hmm. are so many, and this is probably more the family life than in the life of a priest. But yeah. I would say that uh, many, many, many lay people are not advancing in the life of faith and in the spiritual life because of distractions. So. I love that. That's the complementarity here because uh, I, I think that's probably spot on in marriage and family. And I think for us, it's more like, I just can't stay sane right now. And I can't stay sane because I've got all these things popping up out of the ground that I have to care for. Yeah, Not that I have to hit on the head, just to be clear. <laughs> all right. Father John, are you liking this? Is this good? We, we oh, I'm loving it. this. Bring it on, brother. Let's all go. right, great. Okay, here's the next one. So uh, if you take a look at a lot of uh, like corporations, they talk about vision and mission, vision statements, mission statements. So vision is about identity. Mission is about purpose. And so when we think about the concept of identity and purpose, vision and mission, I'm called to be a saint. That's my identity. I'm called to fulfill the mission that God has for me in this life to be salt, light, and leaven. In the life of faith of the ordinary Catholic Christian that you're talking about, do they need to focus on and do they struggle with more their identity as children of God who cry out, Abba, Father? Or do they struggle more with the call to bring the gospel out into the world and be salt, light, and leaven? Identity or purpose? Yeah, so I don't like the question because uh, so I'm going to say both and. <laughs> See, so, this is I good. The, well, first I of all, right I like the fact I, I like the fact that there's silence. I like that I'm making you think. This is not a oh, I got this right away. I I got the fact that you're pondering things is is a victory. I'm already taking a victory lap, Father John. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad. Well, I got a blue book in front of me where I can write down all my notes. So I, I think it's both. Here's why I'd say it. So um, I, I think if I'm going to make a in order to them, I think it's identity first, because I think everything flows from identity. And my experience, at least as a priest, is both personally in my own life and, in, and, and just walking with people is the single biggest wound for pretty much everybody I've ever known in my life is identity. We just don't know who we are and we don't know whose we are. And we often hide behind facades and titles and cars and clothes and being in shape or athletic ability, whatever it might be. And even though we've heard over and over and over again for so many years, many of us, God loves us. I don't think most of us really believe that. I don't think we've encountered that. I don't think we know that. We know it here. I don't think we know it here. So I think identity is, uh, is that which is most important. Uh, and in fact, without which uh, the mission is going to go haywire. You know, St. Ignatius would often say that God doesn't so much move linearly like from a to b to c he moves more this way he just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and my own life personally the one thing he just keeps going deeper in is do i really know what it means to be son and beloved 
not for anything I've done, just for who I am. And, uh, and I'm still learning that. Having said that, I don't think there is any clarity amongst the church, clergy and ordained, let alone alignment on what the mission is. I don't think we get it personally. And, and I think I've been, this is something the Lord's been teaching me in the last couple of years in a very particular way. I think I would have said, after, if you've had the encounter with Jesus, then the, the goal is to grow in holiness. And, and, it, and that's really important to be sure. I don't want to minimize that in the least, but that's not the mission. That's like the interior mission. But the mission to go out, like Jesus sends us out in order to continue the work that he began on Easter Sunday of recreating this world, which he loves, which might cost me my life. And so to, to, to grasp that and to understand that the Lord has placed us with uh, particular gifts in particular contexts and circumstances so as to, this is C.S. Lewis's language, which I love, be an agent of sabotage and to bend back into conformity, healthcare, politics, entertainment, education, athletics, whatever, so that it's back into conformity with how the Father has created it to be. And, and I think especially for men, once we understand that that's the mission, to get in the game and to continue the work of recreation, which the Lord began, suddenly like guys are ready to roll up their sleeves and go to work because I'm up for a battle. I like that. You know, I, uh, Terry, my wife and I, when we met and we talked about like going deeper into God together, she grew up in a family that focused on mission. And I came through a path of conversion and transformation that focused more on identity. So I like I would say, let's go deeper into adoration and contemplative prayer and then the transformation that comes there. And she's like, no, we got to go out on the front lines because that's where we meet Christ at the point where the church meets the world at the point of proclamation. That's where we're going to see the living Lord actually at work. And that's going to change us. And so it's a fascinating thing that, that there's compliments, right? Communion and, and mission, right? John Paul II. And so uh, yep. it, I think that um, there there can be a sense of going in deeper into that sense of identity is so desperately needed for people. When we hear like this whole arrival of healing of father wounds and healing of, you know, family tree issues and all of that. Uh, there is comp. I think that compliment that you're talking about the desperate need we have just to go out. Cause if we wait till we're healed before we go out, we're never going to be fully healed. Part of being healed is exactly. going out. Right. All right. Exactly. That's Father John Ricardo talking with me today on Sound Insight, and we're coming up against a break. But before we do, just I want to remind you that Father John will be at Holy Family Catholic Church coming up on Sunday, May the 7th, from 1 in the afternoon until 4 in the afternoon. There's no charge to get into the event, but it is first come, first serve. So if you want a seat, I encourage you to get there early in order to be able to enjoy the ministry and the message of Father John Ricardo, who will be speaking on Jesus and encountering Jesus and coming to experience, coming and seeing and believing and experiencing Jesus and all of the blessings that he has for you. God exists. Do I really matter? God is love. Then why do bad things happen? When I really need help in my life, will God answer my prayer? Well, come and see and encounter Jesus at this event happening on Sunday, May the 7th from 1 until 4 p.m. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. We're going to dive back into the interview with Father John Ricardo. Remember now, Sunday, May the 7th, 1 to 4 p.m., Father John will be speaking, and it's available to everybody. However, if you want to come and attend the event, and you're a parish leader, you need to get an invite through your pastor or your priest. And if you want to help your pastor or your priest to come, or you yourself would like to get an invitation, you can reach out to Acts 29 at hfkparish.org. Now, Acts 29 is not the number 2929, but rather it's Roman numerals. So the email address for you to get an invitation from your priest or pastor to attend the Saturday leadership event with Father John Ricardo at Holy Family Parish is Acts, A-C-T-S, and then the Roman numerals, X-X-I-X, as in 29. So Acts 29, X-X-I-X, at 
hfkparish.org. Okay, let's dive back into the interview with Father John Ricardo. All right, next, uh, we're going to get, questions going to get a little harder now, okay? <laughs> okay, here we go. You keep saying that. I know, I know. All right, all right. So all right, anyway, I'll, I'll throw one out that's that's a challenging one. Um, so uh, you mentioned men. And so men are called to follow after Christ, priest, prophet, and king. That's what they're anointed. And as such, they're called to lead, provide, and protect. And so I want to talk about the need of men today to lead, provide, and protect. And, and so that idea of growing, so to lead, to go first, to be out front, to be generous, to do more, right, that's one. To provide, to be with, to suffer, to persist, to intercede, persistence. And then to protect, to stand up, speak out, and push back. To preach and live the truth courageously. All right. What would be the greatest area of growth for men today? To embrace their call to be Christ the king, to lead, go first, to, to be generous, to be Christ the priest, to provide, to be with, to suffer, to intercede, to persist, or to protect, to stand up, speak out, and push back uh, by preaching and living the truth. Depends on the man. Depends on the state of life. Depends on the context. I'll come at this from a couple of ways. One is uh, I've, I've always found most provocative John Paul's line that the, the mission, the task, so think of fathers first. The mission and the task of fatherhood is to reveal and relive on earth the very fatherhood of God. Some task, right? Reveal and relive the fatherhood of God. And so, you know, like Aquinas would say things like you can you can talk very generically about situations, but the moment that you start getting, um, you start going down a little bit deeper, you got to get very particular and very specific. So, you know, um, think of a husband who marries a woman who comes from a broken family. What's going to be needed from him is going to be different from somebody who marries somebody who came from a very loving family where she's confident in her identity and she knows who she is and uh, she doesn't have a, she hasn't entered into marriage with a broken heart. I'm thinking of my dad. My dad married a woman who came from a divorced family where my grandfather had an affair and abandoned the family. And despite all the externals that she might've had, she was a, a really bruised reed. And so in my dad's case, the most important thing was to protect, to let her know that after God, she was the most important person in his life. And she, he made, he made that his life's goal to to do that. Other people, it's going to be uh, it's going to be different things. I think, you know, for each of the, if, this is not the cop out answer. This is, I think, the, the the need to go back to solitude and to be able to waste time with God. If I'm not, if I'm trying to figure something out without asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're asking of me right now? Which one of these is most important in my concrete circumstance? Then I'm I'm necessarily going to arrive at the wrong answer. I like that. Yeah, I, um, I, I, and the answer is of course, right? And all these, they're all both ands or all of the above. And, yep. and I like how you 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 personalized it and just say it's going to depend on the guy. Um, I'll, let me say this, and then you can react to it. I think in general, sure. men today, Catholic men, and I don't know, this we could we could Catholic men who happen to be priests and bishops, uh, the need to protect by speaking the truth courageously with conviction and completeness. Right, that that the truth is going to protect, and that means we have to be willing to stand up, speak out, and push back. It feels like it's a time where we are in desperate need for uh, a more prophetic leadership in 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 men, but also in priests and bishops. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. I would make one caveat, which is to say, I, I think this is what's so significant about the transition from. Um, what's often called a Christendom era to an era which is no longer shaped by Christendom. So what, what does that mean? It means, so the church has existed in these two different eras since Jesus's ascension, one where um, the culture around us uh, was deeply shaped by Christianity and by biblical worldview, and one where it wasn't. And I think the challenge is for those of us anyway, like our age, right? We've kind of been living in this hinge between um, there are still traces of Christendom around to be sure, but they're evaporating quickly. And so to take note of the fact that we've we've left a time 
I think by and large, where the, the, the glasses that people see through the worldview that people have is a biblical worldview. We're in a completely different worldview right now, which means as crucial as it is to, um, uh, to speak truth into difficult issues, they can't go first. What has to come first is the proclamation of the gospel because people haven't heard it. And so if I don't lead with a compelling and attractive proclamation of the gospel, and I lead, say, with morals or something like that, which are very important, but if I only lead with those, I'm probably more likely to create anger. Whereas my goal isn't to convince you that you're wrong. My goal is to win you to Jesus. And in order to win you to Jesus, I have to help you to understand who he is and what he's done, which is probably something that you've never heard if you've grown up in this culture. I just don't think most people have ever heard of the gospel in the church and out of the church. And then from that, because that's the foundation, right? And then from that, then we can go after all sorts of things, which we need to go after. But I think it's first things first. And the first thing first is the proclamation of the gospel. And then the call to accept that and to respond to that wholeheartedly by surrendering everything to God, including the way I think and the way I spend my money and what I do with my body and how I understand sexuality and all of those things. But it's a response to this God who is love. And most people don't think either God is real or that he is love. And so things get out of order and we oftentimes provoke Again, anger and resentment, which were the that might come anyway. That's fine, but I want that to come after I proclaim the gospel. I want you to know what you're walking away from first, and what you're walking away from is not a moral code. So, okay, so this is uh, this is now I'm going off script here. So this is good. You, you've challenged me. All right. Um, when I hear that, and, and and I'm thinking you're referencing that book, right, from Christendom to Apostolic uh, Age or something mission. like that, Mission Apostolic Mission. Um, the fact that we're in a post-Christian world, it, it, the, the concept of proclamation, it feels like it, it would need to be done differently from the following standpoint that, you know, we, we have that, um, we have all of the, the uh, statistics and, and the uh, way of identifying people where they talk about nuns, right? They're no longer associating with a, a religious uh, pr uh, profession. But now there's this uh, category called duns. Have you heard about them? The duns. I'm just done. I, I, I've heard all the language. I've seen all of the, the manifestations that are the remnants of a Christianity that is ossified and no longer has power. So the idea of a fresh proclamation of the gospel when they've already heard the language but uh, emptied of its power how to do that today, I think, is is a major challenge. And so uh, I'd, I'd love to get some insight from you or some thoughts from you around how do we proclaim the gospel in a situation where people are done with Christianity and the language of religion? Well, let's go back to the question you asked earlier with regards to time. Is it you know, Kairos or is it Kronos? I mean, I don't care what somebody says. I mean, they, they may say that they're done. God's never done. Mm -hmm. So God is continually, you know, God, God wants somebody's conversion um, far more than you or I want their conversion. He wants my conversion more than I want my conversion, right? God loves me more than I love him. And so I, I really don't care what anybody said. I'm still going to speak the gospel to them. And I know that what they want, even though they may not think they want it, is what we're talking about because God created them with the desire for love and God is love. So I, I think what we're seeing oftentimes is a uh, is an often well-deserved um, rejection of what you called an ossified Christianity. Uh, a powerless Christianity, a lukewarm Christianity, um, a Christianity in name only uh, with lives that don't look any different and, and, a, and a stunning lack of joy and a stunning lack of charity. But when people really encounter that, I think something um, significant happens. Um, and so I, I'm not, I'm really not concerned with trying to convince anybody I don't think that's my task. Uh, I don't put that kind of pressure on me. That's God's task. That's the Holy Spirit's task. My task is to deliver the mail. And 
you know, John Paul challenged us to be new in ardor, new in method, new in expression. And um, our experience uh, in Acts 29, the work that we're doing, especially with the rescue project, but not just with it, is that over and over again, we're hearing from people, um, I have never heard this, and this is changing my life, because this is not the God I knew growing up, and this is not the Jesus that I heard proclaimed. And so I, I think if we, we, we need to make sure a couple of things, one, that we actually know the gospel, that we can share it in a way that's compelling and attractive, that we take the pressure off ourselves, and that we're, we're at least striving to live genuinely different lives. I mean, I, I fall on my face as much as anybody. The difference now is that I'm quick to get up, I'm quick to repent, I'm quick to say, Lord, that was, you know, wrong, stupid, whatever have mercy, whereas before I was probably just obstinate and justifying and whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. Love it. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. We're going to dive back into the interview with Father John Ricardo. Remember now, this is part one. Tomorrow, we'll finish off the remainder of the questions that we're not able to get to today. But remember now, on Sunday, May the 7th, 1 to 4 p.m., Father John will be speaking, and it's available to everybody. However, if you want to come and attend the event, and you're a parish leader, you need to get an invite through your pastor or your priest. And if you want to help your pastor or your priest to come, or you yourself would like to get an invitation, you can reach out to Acts 29 at hfkparish.org. Now, Acts 29 is not the number 2929, but rather it's Roman numerals. So the email address for you to get an invitation from your priest or pastor to attend the Saturday leadership event with Father John Ricardo at Holy Family Parish is Acts, A-C-T-S, and then the Roman numerals, X-X-I-X, as in 29. So Acts 29, X-X-I-X, at hfkparish.org. Okay, let's dive back into the interview with Father John Ricardo. Do you feel like this is a pretty good workout so far, Father John? This is my second workout of the morning. I love this. Nice. Okay, good. This is a different kind of spiritual workout. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to stay along the lines of what you just said. Uh, one of my dear friends, who's I, I met him in the seminary. He's a, he's a priest, holy priest of God. Uh, he challenged me very early on in my life in the seminary. He said, Tom, don't tell me what you believe. Let me follow you around, see how you live, and then I'll tell you what you believe. And there's a way in which our life can deny or betray our profession. And so what would you say is a belief that we, as a church, or we can bring it down to whatever layer or level you want, what is it that we we believe? What's a belief that we say we believe that if people actually followed us around and saw how we live, that we actually don't believe it, that there's this discrepancy that exists between what we say we believe and how we actually live. I'd rather answer the other question, which is what is it that they should follow and see? Because I don't know what, what, what someone would say. I mean, I, I, think, I think what a lot of people would say if they followed many Christians, not, I mean, this is dangerous, right? I mean, because you're starting to generalize. Here, here'd, be, here'd, be, uh, here'd be one. So, most of us pray the Our Father rather regularly. If we pray the rosary, we pray it every day. And we say in there every day, oftentimes many times a day, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. I don't think we do that. I don't think we want God to do that. I don't think we want God, most of us, to treat us the way we treat others. Yeah, please because, don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, it would be very bad. So... I, I think the church in general, um, particularly with how we speak about others and including ourselves, uh, brothers and sisters, um, whether it's in blogs or social media, whatever kind it might be, um, we sound and look just like the world. Yeah. That would be one of the biggest things I would say. Uh, that's really good. I was thinking you were going to say something like, we don't really believe Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament, right? Something like that. Uh, which is, a, I think, a kind of a standard type response. I like yours better. Uh, that's a that's a that's a really good one. That that it gets me thinking. All right, um, let's let's dive into. Um, we're going to get into spiritual warfare and and 
uh, the demonic stuff and all of that. So what's a greater scourge for men, apathy or pornography? What is a greater scourge for men, Catholic Christian men, trying to live their life of faith today? Apathy or pornography? So I think it's apathy. So pornography is rampant. It's not just rampant in men. Uh, I'll tell you as a confessor, it's rampant in women too. Um, it's ubiquitous, right? But I think apathy is more dangerous simply because um, we don't care about the scourge that is pornography, let alone a whole set of other scourges. We just, we're, we're, we're content with just kind of mid and going through life in a bland fashion as opposed to, uh, I, I just read during Lent, um, the old 16th century book, uh, Spiritual Combat which is a bit of a challenging read. Um, but he has, a, he has a passage in there early on. He says, we need to learn to wake up with the attitude as disciples of a soldier at war and realize I have two choices today. I can fight or I can die. It's that simple. Because I have an enemy who does not sleep, whose desire is to destroy me. And even though he has been defeated, he has not yet been destroyed. And so I think a lot of us, quite frankly, don't live that way at all. We, we, um, we consign talk about spiritual warfare to, you know, people on the fringes. Uh, that's not reality. And so we, in general, live very, I, I might say, mediocre lives. Mm -hmm. um, we're neither pursuing, we're, we're pursuing neither greatness and holiness nor greatness and sin, for that matter. You know, be hot or cold. Um, cause even if you're pursuing sin mightily, God can work pretty mightily with you. Um, just like he did with people like Augustine or Ignatius or others. Um, so I think I'd say it's apathy without minimizing pornography that's at all. No, for sure. For sure. That's, I mean, again, any one of these, there's really not a wrong answer. It's a matter of, I want to see what insight mm -hmm. there is there for you to draw out. Okay. Um, do we need to understand more fully and appreciate the impact of the ministry of demons or the ministry of angels? What do we need to appreciate, recognize and, and live in the light of more fully the impact of the demonic on our lives or the impact of the angelic on our lives? So I would say what we need is we need to wake up to the reality that is the spiritual world, mm -hmm. which, which would involve both. So, I, you know, there are, um, Though, as a friend of mine would say, the world is an enchanted place. And there are so many more, there are so many more beings present in every situation than I can see. Both, and all, they're all angelic because the demons are angels, right? Just fallen angels. Um, so both good angels and bad angels. And uh, you know, it's kind of like the prayer of um, the prophets uh, to, uh, that the prophet makes to his uh, for his servant who's feeling terrified because of the situation that he's in. And he just prays, Lord, just open his eyes that he would understand that those who are for us are more than those who are against us. So to live with a sharp spiritual vision. I think is increasingly important in this world that we're living in. In fact, this guy that I was talking to that I mentioned who was doing these fasts, I said, my, my image right now in the culture that we're living in, it's almost like looking at a weather map and you're seeing two fronts collide. So you've seen a, a high pressure and a low pressure system just collide. And when those things collide, uh, you get tornadic activity. And there seems to be an increase of that in the spiritual life right now for anyone with eyes to see. Mm -hmm. yeah, but then having said that, having said that, uh, the demons have lost and they know it. We just, and, and we have authority over them and we need to wield it. Jesus said, I have given you authority to tread on serpents. He meant that. He wants us to wield it. Not to go, you know, uh, some, I remember hearing a guy one time saying, you know, like to be a disciple is kind of like being a mailman. And so your task is to deliver the mail. But of course, you know, when you deliver the mail, sometimes dogs come up and, you know, they bite you, attack you, chase you, whatever. So you carry a stick with you. But your, your job is to deliver the mail, right? The moment that the mailman drops the mail and he goes looking for dogs with his stick, he's forgotten the mission. So we want to be careful that we don't get too fascinated with one thing 
But at the same time, we expect dogs are going to come my way today. So I got this stick in my hand and I'm going to wield it in Jesus's name. I love that. That's great. I think that, uh, you know, both of those areas are in, uh, we have a, a serious need for better catechesis that can mm. be brought down into our own lives of faith. Like I can't, like how much, how much I've been able to appreciate the role of angels in my own spiritual life, you know, mm -hmm. that they're called to lead, provide and protect me. And that there's a way in mm -hmm. which when I give them permission and I ask them to exercise the fullness of the, the role they have, the mission for which God has given my guardian angel or my family's guardian angel. And again, it shifts the entire approach that I have to my own life. But then, and you brought that up regarding the demonic, like we have authority over demons and there are demons that are coming at you. They're coming at your family and you're called upon mm -hmm. to take action. So I, you know, it seems to me that these are, these are like, these are things like, okay, you and I were in the seminary for how many years? Did you ever, how much did you hear about any of this stuff? You know, it's, it's a shocking next, next to nothing, next to nothing. Uh, in fact, I, yep. I put in the abstract. Very abstract. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And the whole chain of being and where the angels fit in as pure spirits, but not created spirits, blah, blah, blah. But what impact? I made a list of like 30 topics that were never touched upon in the seminary, uh, in a lecture, mm -hmm. homily, retreat, conference, a class, not to mention a, a whole, a whole, uh, you know, even a lecture. It, it was shocking the lack of what we received, but that's, a, that's for another program. I'll take you through the 30 topics. Amen. <laughs> Well, I hope you've enjoyed this first part of the interview with Father John Ricardo. Tomorrow, I ask, encourage you to continue to, to listen in. I'll ask more questions of Father John. And again, May the 6th, a parish leadership event. May the 7th, it is open to everyone that is at Holy Family Catholic Church in Kirkland. And that is from 1 to 4 in the afternoon on Sunday the 7th. If you want to be involved and get invited to the parish leadership event on May the 6th, please email acts29, that's A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X, at hfkparish.org. Please join me tomorrow with Father John Ricardo for part two on Sound Insight.